Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today, the man who is thoughts become things, Neo-Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're also glad that we're zeroing in and we're on a Friday and coming in on the weekend and uh, getting closer and closer to the Christmas holiday. So lots of preparations going on all around the world. People everywhere going nuts with the shopping and the baking and the cooking and the traveling and all that kind of stuff. And the worrying. Yeah, there's that too, yeah. That's the one. On top of everything you just named was a big blanket of different worries. <laughs> well, 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 there's another kind too, because there are a lot of people um, who we kind of tend to forget about who actually don't have anywhere to go for Christmas for a variety of reasons, you know, uh, disconnected from family or, or living in, in locations where they can't get to someplace or uh, there are a number of different scenarios that can go on, but there are people who just can't do anything. And uh, th- there are so also some people, some really good souls who will do special Christmas events, you know, where um, they invite people who, who are away from families or something like that. To, to come participate in something. In fact, Debbie G was talking, I think she's going to do something on Christmas. I believe she's having a virtual event for nice. um, spirituality gone wild followers and LOA Today followers and so forth um, who are not, you know, they, they, they don't have a family to go uh, spend Christmas with. So, I mean, that's where the balance comes in. And it's really cool that there are people like Debbie G who do that. And Debbie G, you if you're what? listening, we, we miss you. We hope you're healing up there. I was about to say shout out to Debbie G. Hashtag we love Debbie G. Absolutely. I'm not as yeah. fast with it as I normally am. I have, this, <laughs> I have the hashtags set to where I just push one button and then uh, look enter. And it's shout out to everybody. There you, you go. I love up. it. I love it. Yeah. You know, you fun. said something that I think is a great way to start off the show. You know me. I like to go deep immediately. You are talking about balance. And when you said it, I start looking for a coin. I'm like, who has a coin laying around on their desk? <laughs> um, so I reached over and grabbed my um, poker chip. Right. Mm-hmm. Life, okay? You want to get away and make something out of yourself, travel, you know, live somewhere other than the county that you grew up in. And all those things are great. You know, they're great for the soul to see different places, move to a different state. But on the same note, come the holidays, is the other side of the coin. Mm. It sucks. You know, where's near your family. It will cost a lot of money to travel, mm. COVID, whatever the situation is. So it's like a gift and a curse. It's like everything mm. has its own little upside and dark side. Because let me tell you something. I know a couple people. I've always known at least two or three people are spending the holidays solo, mm. alone, just mm-hmm. because of the situation, be it divorce and the kids are with the opposite. Yep. Or they live on the other side of like the country. My brother lives in New York and he's, uh, he's going to be DJing for New Year's because, you know, he DJs on the side. So, I mean, he's not going to spend New Year's by himself. <laughs> he's going to be with a whole party full of people, but all of us are definitely missing him. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're proud that he went to tackle New York. He's the first one in all of my family members to even attempt to tackle really? New York. No yeah, kidding. You- we were in, we were all in Jersey, which is, which is, has its own little ups and downs, but New York is a different beast. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I have been in New York a million times in my life, but it was, it was a different planet from what mm. I experienced two weeks ago or, or last week, whenever I was there. Right. Well, totally. you're also reminding me of something. Um, we, I, we had a guest on Monday 
who I wished we had been able to get him on to Friday because he is a former NYPD police officer. Oh, nice. And nice. I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if Neil and Vic were the two, like, sharing stories back and forth? <laughs> I, I actually, one of the buddies I fly with, um, he's a old New York police sergeant. Mm. And he's a hard ass. I mean, he's <laughs> militant. He has a freaking cigar. You know, he's like you, the stereotype of, like, a, a drill sergeant. Yeah, right. He talks like that. He walks like that. And so me and him get to chopping up stories. Like after we fly, we always go eat breakfast and we get to sharing stories. And the rest of the table is just like either their jaws on the floor or they're cracking up laughing <laughs> or both. Cause most of our stories have both a jaw dropping funny ending. Well, well you mentioned uh, you know, the hard drill sergeant there. I asked him one of the things I asked police officer, Vic Ferrari was his name. And I asked Vic, nice. you know, he also went to Catholic school and I said, which was tougher a lieutenant in the NYPD or a nun? And he said, without question, nuns. None. Yeah. <laughs> none. <laughs> Listen, you don't see a lieutenant unless you did something really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you don't even see him. You don't see him during roll call. You don't see him during the week. You don't see him. You barely see him at all. Um, your sergeant, you only see in roll call. And, and in the middle of shift, they do what's called log check. So, yeah, lieutenants don't seem that tough until you get <laughs> And you're in an office with one, a nun in school, that's eight hours a day. <laughs> mess with your head. Look, normal teachers, and that mess with my head, let alone some nuns with the extra rules. Right? Yeah, especially I, 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 I was chasing to... girls back then. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't want to Catholic school, but I, I always kind of imagined what it was like. And, and I actually had friends who went to Catholic school, so I had some data to, to draw upon. Mm -hmm. And, and I always imagined that the nuns kind of made up the rules as they went along. Like, you know, yeah, there were certain rules they always followed, but, you know, it, it, I, I just got the sense that sometimes a nun would make up a rule just because she didn't like the behavior and she, was, she came up with a rule to cover it. I mean, Christianity <laughs> been doing that since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't even want to be mad at me, uh, you know, but yeah, it just seems that way. <laughs> um, that's so funny. But yeah, man, it's like life for me, life just has these ups and downs to every aspect. Hmm. You know, uh, like the police, everybody hates the cops until their shit gets broken into. Oh, yeah, I always, then, I always yeah. say it with the, with the curse word because I need people to feel that you hate the cops until you go outside and your car windows busted and your, and your ashtray change is all gone. Yeah. Then you're, then you're, oh my God, where are you at? You need to get here. Uh, oh my God, thank you for showing up. This, you know, so it's like ups and downs. Everything's got that coin, man. Duality. Mm. Duality. In the beginning, there was nothingness, stillness. They call it the realm of non-existence. There's nothing mm. there to describe. So you can't mm -hmm. describe it. Science calls it the quantum field. Then all of a sudden, the Big Bang, or religion calls it, let there be light, the first form of duality, something that exists, hmm. a light opposite from the darkness, existence yeah, yeah. opposite of non-existence. And from that form, from there, everything has duality from there. Everything, even the smallest atom has the top and the bottom, the inside and out. Smallest micro particle, you know what I mean, can either exist or not exist. Everything has duality since then. So I like to key in on stuff like that and like really dive deep, deep and dissect it. Like that's where I get 
most of my solid answers from. They're not from taking a problem and working my way uh, backwards and solving it. I work my way backwards to the essence and then I go back out mm. and that's where I find my answers at. And they're pretty good answers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would imagine they would be. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not so different from what we do here on the show. Uh, because exactly we, what we do. <laughs> well, yeah, in some ways it is. Um, but, but we get guests in and we have co-hosts and we have different people with different perspectives on topics. And very often it, the, the, the almost alarming thing is how often we're in agreement. You know, so there's not a whole lot of room for conversation there. It's fun. It's exciting. It's a, but there's not a whole lot of, of tension going on there. But sometimes you do get, you know, different points of view on the same thing. And when that happens, it, it it's like with anything else, it creates a tension, right? It, it, yeah, it creates a tension cool. like, you know, like, 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 you know, between the sexes, there'd be a sexual tension or between, um, a parent and child, there, there, there's the parent child tension there, or, you know, whatever the, the situation is, there, there, there's a tension that gets generated by those two points of view. And I've loved, I've, I've learned to love the fact that when you can appreciate both of those sides, you learn about those points of view and you learn about the points of view from the other point of view, if you know what I mean. But in other words, you learn to see through each other's eyes to the other side. You gave me such a great, I guess, mental analogy when you said tension, because I'm thinking like me and you right now conversating. All of a sudden, obviously, we're all just one vibrating energy wave, but you're right. at your point on the energy wave and I'm at my right. mental point on that energy wave. Although they're the same, you know, we have our, our separation seemingly. And so there, let's say picture there's like a, a line flowing up and down between us, like a frequency. And all of a sudden there's tension. Mm. It gets strained out a little bit. Right. Uh, all because of our It can even become our, very jittery depending on how much tension yeah. there is. Yeah. So it's, it's when you, as soon as you said tension, I'm like that string of flow of mm. beauty, all of a sudden there's tension on it because we're opposing and fight or flight mode has kicked in. No matter how mm -hmm. small it, people, people crack me up when we talk about fight or flight mode and they say that they don't go into that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you don't understand. Fight or flight mode can be the smallest thing. You don't even realize it. Like, mm. let's say you click the remote on your TV and it doesn't work. And you're like, man, this happened last week. The batteries must be dying. Right there, there's a sense of something's wrong and I need to fix it. Fight or flight mode has ensued. What am I going to do? Am I going to sit on the sofa and bait on it for another week or so? Or am I going to go get a battery? Do I want to go all the way to the store? So it could be the smallest thing. Oh, yeah. That puts us in there. And it, so to all those that, and I, I face this a lot, to all those that say they don't go into flight or flight mode, you're, you're considering fight. Yeah. Real flight like, mode. You know, you, yeah. You're, you're basically saying there's a bear right next to me. That's what you're thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. You can get a bad email. You're in flight or flight. What am mm -hmm. I going to do? Am I going to run from yeah. this email and go in the city, you know, or am I going to fight my way through this? Well, actually, we had an example of that here, not during a podcast, but after a podcast, one of the guests this week, um, I always try to include links to their website or their book or whatever it is. And in this case, I went to test the link after we were done, and the link took me to one of these malware porn pages. And I said, whoa, would you please click that link? Tell me what you see. You know, so <laughs> she did the same thing. Oh, my God. What the but, but, but here's the here's the real wild thing. We tried to do it again, and it went to the right place. So whoever wrote this was really, really clever. They were writing it in such a way that was hard to detect and, and hard to prove that there actually was a problem going on there. Hmm. Um, and so we were going back and forth by email. I actually have a background with IT and websites and so forth, so I was able to kind of guide them through how to 
to track it down and, and, and eliminate the thing. And I think we may have it eliminated now. But um, although this one was a tough one. But my point is that that experience created attention. It wasn't fight or flight in the sense of the bear, but it was fight or flight like the email because you're getting this really undesired result. You know, nobody wants their, their link to go to some porn page. That's not what the whole thing was all about, right? And now all of a sudden, oh, my God, how many other people are, are clicking that link? How many other people are getting that? Oh, my business is in trouble, yada, yada. You know, I'm just going to offer this as food for thought, and then we could transition to a new subject if you want. Uh, but the last three times that happened to me, uh, that person was hitting on me. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> this one, you know, maybe. Uh, so anyway, uh, welcome, everybody. It is Friday before... <laughs> Friday before the Friday before Christmas. No, what's Jeffrey saying? I can't see the whole message. Oh, Jeffrey was commenting on what we were talking about earlier about the nun and and the lieutenant. He said, isn't that what authority always does? (laughs) They they make it up as they go to stay in control. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like it. That's pretty much it. (laughs) And that's, you know, I want to say that's the problem, but you know what? Evolution as you know, you can't raise kids the same way now as you did before the internet was around. So there is a degree of making things up mm-hmm. that needs to get done. And you could just be a better parent, a better boss and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. So yeah, making things up away along the way is good. Abusing your power. I think that's probably where we're going with this. That's bad. And I could, you know, well, actually I think what the technology has done is that it has, brought into our focus stuff that already existed, but we just weren't aware of it because the technology didn't show it to us before. Yep. Cause snail mail was the only way <laughs> to yeah. see what was happening in California. But that in long distance telephone calls. I mean, there <laughs> wasn't a whole lot of option beyond that, but, but now we're able to see stuff that, I mean, you can talk about, I'm, I, we're not going to get into politics, but I think it's like where everybody thinks of first when they think about this massive disconnect and fake news and all the other kind of stuff. They think, oh my God, the politics are out of control. But I, I have a degree in political science and I've studied politics throughout centuries, really. And you go back to the 19th century here in the United States. What's going on now is nothing compared to what happened in the 19th century. The 19, you, you think this is bad? You should see the absolute bold lies that were just written to just ramp up the masses. I mean, it was just blatant, absolutely blatant. You know what? I want to key in on that for a second and emphasize this because I try to emphasize it as much as I can because you have to see better in order for things to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, government policies, rules and regulations. Everybody hates them. We're at our all time high. This is the worst. Mm. No, this is not the worst. They no. were killing people okay, back in yes. the day. I'm talking about AD yeah. 100, 200, 500. Sure. Yo, people were getting killed for way less and more people were getting killed. So though it does in certain need areas to, of the planet, that's actually happening right now. Exactly. And that's, yeah. and that's another thing. So it's like, you know, it is getting better. It's still screwed up. I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do what we do. That's why the show exists. But it is, we are at the best we've been as far as mankind. Cause let me tell you, we started off in savage mode. Mm. We started off in savage mode. You ever seen you know, Apocalypse Now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That movie, <laughs> they was just killed, took him to the top of the pyramid, chopped the head off and see if we get some rain. What the heck? They, you know, it's so we are at the best. That's that about, movie. I think, where I walked on the movie. I mean, I <laughs> was like the first 10 minutes. <laughs> I didn't see the whole movie. What could I say? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But yeah, you know, so 
we're a lot better. And the reason we're a lot better is because of like technology and detective work. That's why people stopped killing people as much because they were getting caught and put in jail. Otherwise it would still be happening. It wasn't humans becoming better humans. It was technology making people stop killing each other and then less. And then through the generations, you got nicer and nicer kids being born. And now, you know, then you had the hippies. And now I think everybody is, I think the future generations are going to be way more meditative by nature. Than I, I think there's another factor. I mean, I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm just saying that I think there's another factor. I think the other factor is that is again, it's the technology bringing to the force stuff that we didn't know about before. When you have a relatively isolated population, it's a lot easier for a strong man to dominate it. When the population becomes more connected, it's a Mm -hmm. lot harder for a strong man to dominate it because everybody becomes aware and they're all talking and they're all sharing. They say, whoa, this blah, 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 blah. And because of that, I think it's probably fair to say that there were probably just as many kind people, kind-hearted people, um, you know, say 50 or 100 years ago per, as a percentage of the overall population as there are today. It's just we didn't know about it. Why? Because they were isolated. You know what's crazy? I'll give a quick example of that. I'm not going to name any names, but there was a a ruler in New Jersey that was going to run for president. And the problem was Everybody in Jersey hated him. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible to Jersey, but everyone in the country thought we loved him. Mm, I think I know who you're talking about too, but I won't say it. <laughs> so he almost made it to president until he got caught in one of his scams. And mm-hmm. now he's still doing his thing. Right. Uh, I think his initials are CC. Yeah, that sounds right. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, everybody moved. Like, when I first moved to Florida, everybody talked so highly of him, but they didn't know any specifics. And when it, when it, I started telling people, yo, we hate him, all of us. Like, he screws us daily. Well, it's not, I mean, he did, he did win the governorship. He had some people who liked him. Let's be honest. Yeah, but they, they were all rich people. Everybody else, everybody else who made less than two hundred thousand dollars a year yeah, I hear you. hated this man. Um, so it was like, and it was worse. It was worse than Trump. So yeah, but one, it, once everything got big and they got wind, you know, because he was gonna go and he was gonna be president. And he was going. I don't know what the hell he was gonna do, but it wasn't gonna be good. So <laughs> you know, that's just an example of what technology has done. So the whole internet may have screwed our youth up a little bit. <laughs> It's brought us together in ways that we wouldn't. I, I think it's, it's producing. I mean, it's uncomfortable, like so many things where there's change. It's uncomfortable to deal with all this stuff. But yeah, I really do honestly believe. I mean, we, we look at uh, people complaining about fake news and all that kind of thing. But the way that technology is bringing out the essence of what the claims are and showing where there is or there is not evidence to support that, the more that that happens, Mm-hmm. That basically is how people are educating themselves. It's how they're learning how the world works. What do they call that? Defunking or debunking? Debunking in a sense. Well, it's, yeah. it's not just debunking. It's rethinking. Well, that's, it's re- yeah, that's, that's the most important part. It, that's really what it is. It's rethinking. It, it's thinking about it differently. And when you do that, it it's takes lens. time. It's not quick. But over time, what happens is, well, first of all, that's how you get to acceptance. That's how you get to the point where you can actually appreciate something that you absolutely despise, which is a really hard thing to do. And I'm not saying that we're anywhere near that as a society. we got a long way to go on that one. But that's the general direction. We're heading more and more toward – because the more that that's this stuff becomes clear and available 
to people through technology, the more they start to shift on it in little tiny incremental steps. This is so crazy. I think especially because it's backwards. I don't know if it'll work. You tell me. Is my, does my shirt read backwards to you? No, it's forward. You got it right. Forward. Yeah, you, you, you're it. not getting that reverse image now. I'll do it this way then. Um, the filter. I'm going to make you look at me through a different filter. Okay. There it is. If everything you can't see me because it's blurry. But he's showing you, basically he's showing us one of these templates that you use for making the thing. And, and it, uh, it's everything's backwards. It's all written backwards. Yeah. Cause I'm doing the t-shirts now. This is actually one of them. And you know, you peel it out and this is what's left over, but it serves as a perfect, like what we do. We want to put this law of attraction, stay positive lens over your eyes. So you see everything in life. Through the lens of thoughts become things. Let me not be negative about my car is mm. not running this week or how my boss is acting this week because thoughts become things. That's like a perfect like that's analogy. A analogy. Metaphor. A little metaphor. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's very good. Now, Jeffrey has a question for us. Okay. He says, how do we avoid being manipulated? Want to take a crack at it? Uh, it's, it's the cheat code, you know, um, whatever it is you want, just like, see it as though you already had it and then be thankful for it. So however you want to word being anti-manipulable <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say, however you want to word it, just keep saying that affirmation. You say it 10 times. You might not see it or believe it the first five times, but by six or seven, you're going to start your mind. Your subconscious will start to entertain uh, you being stronger in that area mentally. Um, now, as far as, Manifesting actions, manifesting your spouse to stop manipulating you. Let's say that's the situation. It's the same thing. You know, uh, I'm so happy and thankful that he or she's a great person, mm-hmm. that they're looking out for me, that they want the best for me. They give me good advice. Being thankful for someone giving you good advice is the total opposite of them manipulating you mm-hmm. in some ways. So it's not the uh, total opposite. Well, it's, it's certainly a, a, a long ways away from it. Let's just yeah, say that. Yeah. So I would go about it that way. At the end of the day, you can always step yourself out of any situation, turn your back and say, wait a minute. Thoughts become things. I'm in control of what's happening next, according to where I spend my mind space. So instead of that person manipulating them, me, I'm going to see them on in the wall, remember the wall? I'm going to see him on the mm-hmm. other side of the wall as being good to me, being kind to me and looking out for me. And then now what you're going to have to do is action wise, you have to be that to them. You have to be kind to them. You have to look out to, for them, you know, all that other stuff. Even if it's just a phone call, Hey, just checking up on you. You know, I haven't heard from you in a while or whatever it is. I was thinking about you today. I just wanted to throw some positivity your way. That don't hurt for you to text your spouse. I don't care how mad your spouse is at you for whatever reason. If you text him or her that in the middle of the day, I mean, what are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I like that. Me alone. I, I, I'm going to say something else about manipulation in a moment, but I wanted to, while it's still in my, fresh in my thoughts, you mentioned the wall, which of course was the topic that we talked about last Friday. And I wanted to let you know that episode is getting listened to like crazy. That one's like, you know, it's 20, 30% in terms of uh, number of people listening to it, 20 to 30% higher than equivalent shows at this point in time. So after a week's worth of listening. You know what I attribute that to? You remember the last thing I said? 
I say, so yo, good. I think this is the best episode we've done. Together. Oh, well, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Law of attraction, baby. Yeah, yeah. it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, something else, that, that, something that else I wanted awesome. to say about manipulation. The, the, to me, the most, I mean, and I loved what you said, by the way. I think it, it's absolutely perfect. Um, but, but the thing I like to re- remember where manipulation is concerned is the first step really with dealing with or even avoiding manipulation is to recognize the manipulation. That's the first thing you have to do because it's so easy to not notice that it's even going on. And you're getting manipulated. And you're getting manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough one, man, because if you're gullible and a lot of people are, just just own it. And your spouse is slightly a manipulator. You may be in a constant state of manipulation for years. It's possible. But again, that's where data comes in. That, that's why I'm so high on the fact that we've got this technology that, yeah, it's shoving in our faces all this stuff that we don't like. But by the same token and in the same way, it's also feeding us information about it. And the more information you get, the more you begin to realize it's kind of it's kind of like what's happening right now. I'm going to take a, a world event and, and talk about we don't really go into world events very often, but this is like a good time to do it. So we have a war going on between Russia and Ukraine right now. And. What's going on in Russia itself, it, and has been going on for about 15 to 20 years now, is the propaganda has been really hot and heavy from Putin and the people in charge. And they have essentially excluded all op- opposing viewpoints. If they, they've, in fact, in many cases, they've killed off opposing viewpoints. So there's only one official message getting through to the population. And that has created kind of what you'd expect from any kind of propaganda like that. It has created a like-minded population. They all agree, yep, we need to go to war in Ukraine. The West is tearing us apart, blah, 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 blah. You know, all the, the stuff that they're being told. But, and here's where the big but is, despite the fact that Russia has officially blocked Western channels, they, you know, they've, they've limited news sources and so forth, there's one thing they haven't been able to block, and that's their own information. And in their own information, one of the things that the population is hearing is we're losing ground in Ukraine. And that creates a disconnect. So even though they have no other information coming in, they've got that bit. And they say, well, wait a minute. We're bigger than they are. We've got more army. We've got more army. How could we possibly be losing? And in fact, you know where most of the criticism is coming from? It's coming from what they call the mill bloggers, which are the the pro-military Russian bloggers who are totally in Putin's corner, who have been lambasting him for screwing up this whole campaign. So even within their very tightly closed little circle, they've got discontent going on. I'm surprised that them blogs exist. But they, just, they have to because that's part of how he has his his control. He need that that's true for any tyrant. Any tyrant needs to have a support group, and the mill bloggers are among his major support group. But now they feed his own support group is feeding on him. Yeah, they all gonna disappear soon. Well, they're not gonna disappear, but 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 they're creating an untenable situation. Let's put it that way, one that's gonna have to break in some way. But the point is that be, even when you have a completely uh, controlled space, when no matter how information gets out, it does get out and it starts to shift the way people think about things. So you take even in that extreme situation, there there's going to be and already is change happening. Now, look at what happens across the world with the modern technology and the Internet and all the flow of information and so forth. That's why we're experiencing all this crazy fake news, blah, 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 all the stuff that people don't like. But it's also why we're getting this massive amount of information. Often we complain about it being too much. We can't handle all the information. But there's this mass amount of information coming in. And people, no matter what they 
they believe, no matter what they think, no matter what prejudices they've got, it doesn't matter. They're being affected by it. Yeah. You got and no you can't avoid that information in yeah. process. So, so getting back to the question of manipulation, you eventually find out, you eventually figure it out. You eventually get enough data to say, wait a minute, what's <laughs> going on here? Oh, right. <laughs> I know they ain't doing, I know that motherfucker. <laughs> That's what you get from a TikTok video. You're like, wait a minute. My spouse does that. My spouse does that too. Am I being manipulated? But, um. So really that going back to the question that Jerry, that Jeffrey raised, how do we avoid being manipulated? The first step is, is recognizing it. And then once you recognize it, there are a myriad number of steps you can take. It just depends on what your situation is and which one's going to work best for you from your perspective. The main now, thing is, can you notice it? Well, how do you feel about verbally confronting your manipulator? Because they're, they're going to be in defense mode. I think my first question is, what do you hope to gain from the confrontation? From... Cease and desist. All that manipulation that says your spouse, you're not going nowhere. You're not going to end the marriage because you guys are doing pretty good. Oh, you might. But I need you to stop that, mm -hmm. and, which means I'm going to have to bring it up to you because you might not even notice you're doing it because you've been doing it to people your whole life because your parents did it to you. So then in that situation, if I feel like I need to express it, and I do think that that kind of communication is important. Um if, if I feel like I need to express something like that, then I ask for a little conference, a little, little conversation. I need, you know, we need to talk. <laughs> Those four <laughs> dreaded words, we need to talk. Need to talk. <laughs> I like that because it puts people, whoa, what the mm -hmm. hell? And then you hit mm -hmm. them with the lightness. So you yeah. hit them with the head. It's like hitting them with the bad news and the good news. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then basically bringing it up in as low key a voice as you can. In other words, take the emotion out of it and say, look, I'm not here to judge it. I'm simply here to say this thing that's going on. I don't like it. And I want you to know that I don't like it. And now it's not who's right and who's wrong. It's I'm expressing to you how I'm feeling. I will. I want to, I want to throw something on this, but I also want to start off by saying you got to be good. You got to well, practice. Snack. It takes practice to do that. It's not easy to do that. Let's be honest. No, no, no. What I'm about to suggest, you have to be really, really good, like damn near a real detective. Not like, oh, they, oh I see. <laughs> not like you've been watching Lifetime movies for the past 10 years. No, I need you to really think this out. I've been in situations like this. And what I did was, this was in the past, but I would manipulate that person in the same way that they did me. Mm, kind of so mirror. then, Two weeks later, a week later, whatever, when I hit my breaking point, when I do bring it up and they're like, I don't do that. Uh, da, da, da. I'm like, well, remember when you asked me to go to the coffee shop and I said this, and then I, and then you said that and I said that and then everything was cool. And then they're like, oh yeah, you manipulated me. And I can think of examples where I've kind of done that too. So it's kind of like. It does the argument for you. But like I said, if you're going to set up a situation and manipulate that person proactively, you got to be good because you don't want to get caught. And it's a slippery slope morally on what's happening at this point, you know, and it could go 85 different ways. Well, that's why I like to stay away from anything that involves pointing fingers and blame. Who's right and who's wrong? Because that that's where the slippery slope is.
the moment that somebody is saying this, you know, I'm right and you're wrong is the moment that you're now sliding into argument territory. Yeah. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. But if you can limit it to this is how I feel about it, there's no argument about what your feelings are. You're feeling what you're feeling. You know, your your feeling isn't right or wrong. It's your feeling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, if, if you don't like X, it just means you don't like X. You have you have every right in the world to not like X, even if everybody else likes X. If you don't like X, it's up to you. It's okay. You you do not have a right to like, you do not have a requirement to like X just because everybody else does, or you don't have a requirement to dislike X just because you like it. It, it, it It's what you like or what you dislike. It's up to you. And that's the with that is when people are like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way because dot, dot, dot. And they're like, I still feel that way. You know what I mean? And then that's where I other, do know what you mean. a lot yeah. of arguments go in that direction and they just get stubborn. Nobody wants to budge, you know, Rocking a hard place. That, that's that's where I say to somebody who who's trying to pull that on me. That's pointing fingers. That's that's saying I'm right and you're wrong, and that's why I try to avoid shooting all over the place. There you go, shooting all over yourself. Yeah. Please don't shoot on me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm trying this into. Yeah, this is Jeffrey following up on his questions. Let's read it. He says, I'm tying this in this, the, this he's referring to is what he said in his previous line. He says, can we say that since we are authentic, we only attract authenticity? And then he follows up by saying, I'm tying this into the authority question from earlier. Are we conditioned to be manipulated in certain ways? I think the answer is, yeah, of course yeah, we are. Definitely. Definitely. The school system is pure manipulation. School system. Well, pr- most parenting, let's be honest, is, is manipulation. And yeah, yeah, I was going to say, and most of that's, you know, because of how they were raised, but no, parenting is manipulation. You know, I'm I'm taking a dance class right now. The the instructor in the dance class is a young woman in her thirties. She's got two small children at home and she was, she, she was asked a question by one of the students in the class and she started by saying no. And then she stopped herself. She said, you got to forgive me. I have two young kids at home. I say no all day long. And this just came out by, by reflex. (laughs) Conditioning, conditioning is a net is, is kind of necessary in certain areas. Jail. You get sent to jail to condition your butt not to do that again, or Mm. else you're coming back here with us. Um, so which, which I I don't agree with the jail system, by the way, but conditioning is just, I'm I'm curious about that because I have, Doubts about it as well. Well, let's get to that in a moment. Finish what you're talking about here. Ah, I was done because, yeah, I do want to get into the jail thing. Let's, let's <laughs> talk about that. I really do think that's a very interesting topic. What, what, we, what did you have in mind when you said that there are problems? Well, I mean, if I do something wrong and then you lock me up and put me in a cage, which is going to screw me up mentally to where I come out, I'm more screwed up in the head, so I'm more likely to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're animals. We're not meant to be locked down like that. Mm. For two, the world has changed around me. So I'm not only was I, I I'm set up to fail regardless of my skin color yeah. because life has gone on. Uh, I, my cousin went to jail. He got out and didn't know what Wi-Fi was. Wow. Yeah. I still can't convince him. He'd be like, my Wi-Fi don't work. I'm like, dude, you're in the car. That's not how it works. And he argues with me about this. Oh, Literally. He argues oh, with me that's about so sad. I'm trying to explain to him that Wi-Fi stays at your house. Yeah. Um, so, and then you got a record. Even harder for you to get a job and succeed. It's going to be hard mm. for you to get a job at McDonald's, let alone a job making good enough money to live in a better neighborhood. I'm with you. Now you're living a crappier life. 
You're behind on the times. People are looking at you as a criminal. You can't make as much money as everybody else. But guess what? You can go sell some weed and make more than that doctor. Yeah, that's true. And take the risk. And then you're back in there again. So it's so many different levels that I don't I don't support the prison system. But my main thing is caging someone. I'm not saying, you know, I got the answers to every everything. But putting someone in a cage is not going to make them a better person. There's a very interesting quote from Abraham Hicks on this subject. I want to share it here. This is excerpted from a uh, a workshop they did in Chicago in 1999. So this is from a year, few years ago. But what they said was, it is your rules that make unlawful beings. You would get along better if you would just trust each other to treat each other appropriately, but you don't. And so you keep making laws until you make criminals of everyone. What do you think? I don't, I love the second half, the whole just trusting it. I mean, obviously that's not a good plan because people would just be stealing from people, but that's because of how the system is designed. One of my, well, they also answered it in the, in the quote, because in the quote, yeah. they said, because you don't believe it. <laughs> you exactly. don't believe it would work. <laughs> but you know what? My, I, we were, me and my friend were talking about the riots, um, when they were stealing stuff and, I told him, you know, I said, I, I, you know, if I was down there, I might grab me a, a Gucci watch. I was just messing around. Um, so he's like, but why? I don't understand why they're doing it. I don't know. Mind mm-hmm. you, he makes $240,000 a year. Uh, it's roughly eight grand a month, just in your account. Uh, so yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, um, before taxes. So it's like, he, <laughs> before taxes, before taxes, cause not I love how you threw that one in there. That's I funny. had to, you know, so, cause he's going to be, he sees this, he's like, I make eight grand or how much you make before <laughs> tax. Okay. But that's not take home. Um, so anyway, so I told him, I said, listen, the only reason they want these things is because they're so inaccessible to them on a daily basis. Now they have an opportunity to go get them. I'm a firm believer that there's no T-shirt in the world that should cost more than $20. I don't care if it's Louis Vuitton. I don't care if it's Gucci. Now, if you were to find a way to make that pop, let's say Louis Vuitton shirt costs $20 and a normal white T-shirt costs 50 cents. I can see, you know, I can see that. But to make that T-shirt $600, it's so inaccessible to where someone's rioting for a cause all of a sudden sees that store's broken into and that T-shirt's just laying there, the one they've wanted their whole lives. And the system is designed to keep them in a low enough pay grade to where they could never afford it. Take away that feeling of I could never have that had we not been rioting right now. Let me go get it. Take away that. And you, and you and you reduce some things. I'm not saying it's going to change the world, but you'll reduce the way people see things and the way they act in those situations. If so all it raises, of, it raises a very important question then, because I think this gets to the root of it. How do you take that feeling away? You got to change the price of all that. I, I look. If I was the president, I would be like, "There's not going to be a T-shirt on this planet that costs more than twenty dollars, or not on America that costs more. That just ain't going to happen." That's well, it. I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm sympathetic to it, but I also have a question that goes along with it, because that's basically coming up with an externality in order to solve a problem. And one of the things we've talked about a lot here on the show is that whenever we look to trying to solve a problem through externalities, it usually backfires. We find you got to go we, to the root. We got to go, well, you have to go internally. That's what, that's what we usually end up concluding. You have to go inside to make the change instead of making the, the, the 
the change outside. But when it deals with finances and commerce, how internal can you go with it? The gas, the the price right there, that's the price of gas and the price of a slice of bread. Mm. You can drop them down the equivalent, you know, equal percentage. You know, I don't think a a gallon of gas shouldn't cost more than a dollar. It shouldn't, you know, a a, a loaf of bread shouldn't cost more than a dollar. Now, if you were to reduce the percentage uh, of everything down to where it's accessible to everybody, then you lower the want level, the lack feeling, the stressful, depressing lack feeling dramatically in the headspace of a country or in the, or a world or whatever the situation is. So what, what you're really talking about is changing purchasing power changing because it, 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 really, it really, it really doesn't matter what the numbers are. I mean, if, 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 uh, a purchasing power, power. yeah, because yeah. it could be rubles. Yeah. It could be pesos. It doesn't matter what the I'm number talking is. About, yeah. Making How much can you purchase with what you're able to make? Making it upset accessible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that I'll tell you what, that's a, a topic that bothered me long before I learned about law of attraction. In fact, law of attraction, when I learned about it, that was one of the things I stumbled over. Like, okay, so how is this going to work? And even to this day, I still kind of stumble at times about it. But what I keep coming back to is the same thing over and over again. And it's not a totally satisfying answer because I still try to look for ways to fix the externalities too. But the answer I keep coming back to is, yeah, but somehow... Those of us who are at the lower end of the spectrum in terms of income, we got to find some way to shift our mindsets. Yeah, we'll definitely want, you know what? I'm going a, I'm a, I'm to a go back and co-sign on what you said earlier because screw dollars and pesos and the price of bread. If we all got on the right mindset, we would manifest all that crap to fix it. Yeah. So yeah. back back to what you were saying earlier, there is a deeper level of where you there can is. go to fix these. And it's not easy to get to because you're dealing with the day-to-day of how the hell am I going to pay the rent? That's why you need tokens, something like a poker chip in your pocket to remind you, mm. one, I paid rent every month that I thought I wasn't going to. I made it. I'm still alive. I'm good. But for two, I'm just going to say thank you 10 times. Yeah. Just be thankful for something in this Great. moment. Gratitude and appreciation are huge. I'm just I'll tell you honestly, because I've, I've told the story many times about how Louise and I had the crash and burn with the 2008 financial crisis. Both our businesses getting completely wiped out with a stroke of a pen practically. And the terror that went along with that as we went deeper into debt and lost all our savings and everything. And then we had to climb out of that because it doesn't just go away just because you had this bad thing event. You know, this, this bad thing happened. Now all of a sudden you got to deal with it day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. Real quick, can I ask you something? I just want to cut him so I don't forget. Have you yeah. ever went back and analyzed where your headspace was at in the weeks and months before this sudden? Because oh, yeah. In, in, it, because for me, in that situation, let's say I had a complete wipeout where life just crashed on me. Oh, I, I analyze I, it. And in then fact, it, it ties in perfectly with exactly mm-hmm. what we were just talking about. I, I can lay it out for you real simple. Remember how I talked about how I was concerned for years about purchasing power and the, and how the monetary system works and all that. Guess when I was most focused on that. Right. I'll give you one guess. Right in the boom, right before leading up to it, leading up to it. I was writing articles. I had a website that I was writing stuff about and I was doing it in the three to four year period leading up to the 2008 financial crisis. I even predicted that the crisis was going to happen accurately 
but I had no resources left that I could even take a bet I, that would have helped to, you know, overcome it. Sure. I was in such a I, mindset that I just I started I was undermining myself every step of the way. I, and that the crash was in January. No, it was and in the, September. It was in September. When the stock market crashed? Well, the stock market fo- crashed the following uh, December and January, but but the financial crisis happened Finan- in okay. September. That, that, that's when the big bank fell and all that other stuff, yeah. Right in January, I think January 6th was the day when shit hit the fan. Well, Dan, don't confuse January 6th with, with the insurrection at the way, at the uh, the Capitol, because that was also January 6th. No, no, no. When when the market crashed, okay. I was I was heavily trading in forex, and oh, you I was, were. I was day trading, basically just a couple stocks. Like I like Intel, INTC, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I did, but I was doing a lot of forex. Yeah, yeah. Like I had three or four screens open. I oh, you were really going at it. I had Fibonacci set up with triggers that I was sitting at my desk, and at three in the morning, you, got, you and I got to talk sometime. I'm, I'm serious. We got to have to have a conversation about that. But go ahead, dude. I saw it coming. And so I destroyed it and made like six grand quick Did you and really? easy. I, I shorted. I saw what was coming and wow. I, in the charts, on the monthly chart, on the one hour daily, weekly. I was all into that. I had all the charts open and I had the, uh, you know, the, the moving averages all set up. And once it hit my triggers at three or four in the morning, I was up. I wanted to hit click. I didn't want to set limit orders. I wanted to mm. look at stuff Just real quick. Market orders right myself. there. Yeah. And so. I did that and made like a quick six grand, got wow. out, got out right so you before You were one of the few who actually made money out. Congratulations. I got out right before Christmas, had a great Christmas, and then January 6th, I think it was, when the market just said, boom. And I was like, dude, I should have took a short position and <laughs> just chill because I like shorting. Um, shorting is dangerous, but it's fun. Yeah, when you know the market's crashing, you know, short, that is, you know, it is what it is. A mm-hmm. market exploding, like Bitcoin going up, you couldn't really tell when it was going to happen. I bought Bitcoin at $14,000 and it took eight months for it to skyrocket. Mm. So I, it's it's really hard to tell when things are going up. But when something's about to fall because the CEO of Apple gets diagnosed with cancer, <laughs> you already know. Not trying mm-hmm. to capitalize on someone else's, you know, but you already know what's getting yeah, ready. Sad when, when the news about Steve Jobs came out, that was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then Apple stock fell from one hundred and sixty-eight dollars mm-hmm. to ninety-six dollars in five minutes. Mm. If you had took a short position of three dollars, ten dollars, <laughs> you would have yeah. you would have you would have made <laughs> enough to go to to any yeah. No, I mean not with three dollars, but you well, not with three dollars, but you know, yeah. Well, if that, you were doing margin, I mean, if, if, if you yeah. leverage it, yeah, probably you could leverage have, yeah. that. You've been, you've been real good, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just want to touch on this before we get out of here. I, I know I said I don't believe in the jail system, and I was a cop. I used to lock people up. I never believed in the jail system, but I did believe in a pension and a paycheck. You know, so I, I did what I did, but I didn't lock people up. I hated writing tickets and I didn't lock people up for BS stuff unless I absolutely had to. Mm, mm-hmm. That was one of my biggest things. Two of my biggest things. I never wanted to punch somebody mm-hmm. because being a cop, you shouldn't have to punch nobody. All you gonna do is break your hand or you probably, you're damaged your hand or something like that. Why are you punching? Police Academy all the, teaches you how to do it more effectively. How, how to subdue without resorting to something. Like yeah. That. I mean, punching, you see how many in a boxing match, they get punched in the face for 12 rounds. Who wants to do that in the streets? Yeah. Find a, a arm lock that's going to end this immediately. 
Right. So I never punched anybody my entire uh, police career. Good for you, by the way. And I didn't want to write tickets. So I wrote tickets to as few people as possible. And um, I just wanted to make sure overall that I was good. I wanted to make sure that everybody I locked up was saying thank you by the time we were done with our interaction. Wow. That, that's know, a heck of a goal. It is hard. But the more you work at it, it happens sooner in the transaction. I got yeah. to the point where people were thanking me on the way to jail, you mm. know, and excuse you, because you just got to let them know this doesn't mean you're a bad person. This just means you made a bad decision. You, cro- you crossed the line. Yeah. Yeah. You just made a bad decision. You could be mm. a bad person, but what we in the car for right now, going to the police station, you know, unless it was something they did like shoot somebody or something like that, you know, but I try to talk to people and let them know, you know, we all humans. And all that good stuff makes you a good cop. It makes you better at your job so you don't take stuff home. I never took my work home. My dad never brought being a cop home. Never. Mm. I started up. Everybody thought thought I knew everything about being a cop. It's like everybody thought my dad was coming home and training me every day to be a cop. Right, right, right. (laughs) No, that is not. He never even talked about it. Like all the stuff I learned in the academy, that was the first time I was hearing it. I had never fired a gun until I was in the academy. So yeah, it was, it was an experience. But, but in one sense, he actually was training you in one sense, because I'm sure his influence led to you treating not business home. exactly that way. He trained me to not bring it home, yeah. not let it affect me to still take my family and have fun no matter what happened. That but, al- but also when you had a, a perp in, in the back of your car, I'm sure the way you treated that perp was influenced by the way your father treated you at home. Yeah, definitely, because I was a perp at home, you know? <laughs> really? I was getting in trouble. I was always grounded. I was, I was just like missing cur- I had a problem with missing curfew. And when I missed curfew, he would back it up one hour. Uh-huh. I remember my senior year, there was a point where my curfew was 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> and, you know, when your curfew gets backed up, you're probably going to miss it even more. So, yeah, I was in trouble a lot for that, for missing curfew. <laughs> I just like to play, man. I like to play ball. I was in the streets throwing a football until we couldn't see the ball anymore. Yeah, he was um, on that. Yeah, just get caught up in it. But the beauty but I, of it is, is, he gave you. I mean, that cute story aside, he he actually gave you the the knowledge and the appreciation of appreciation of of seeing the good side of people, which is it's a, a real accomplishment for any police officer to do because you're dealing with all this really lousy side of of life on a daily basis. But when you can not only bring home the beauty of it. Uh, the beauty of, of life, the beauty of people, but also instill that in your children. That's oh, that that's the greatest gift you can give. That's how I try to roll with my kids. Yeah. Uh, my dad had a really unique ability. I didn't see none of my friends' parents do this. Really? He had a really unique ability to, like, if he saw someone at work doing something or anybody in the neighborhood, the apartment manager, he was just like, I don't mess with you no more, which was half of it. Like, I'm just not going to mess with you because you Mm -hmm. doing some stuff that I don't agree with and I don't want people to see us together. Like, I'm not going to mess with you. But the second half was, I'm not going to let what you just did affect my house at all. Nice. Yeah. Because I've seen him in situations, you know, most of my family's in the hood. So we were always back in the hood. I've seen him off duty, do, had to do stuff off duty. I've seen sure. him. We had a butthole apartment manager when we were living in Collinswood. Mm. I've seen the way he dealt with that person, you know, got to deal with their BS and then turn around and come in the house. 
with with the energy. I'm an empath. I've always been an empath. When you could walk in the door and that conversation is not only not on on the forefront of your mind, but it's gone. It's not in your body. It's not even in your demeanor. Right. That's him. And he still that, does that. That's the, the skill. That's the skill that that we're all talking about here when we're trying to learn how to be more mindful, how to stay in that better mind space and, and shift when we're in a bad space and how do we deal with negative energies and so forth. That's exactly what we're talking about, what you just laid out there so beautifully. My, I was talking with somebody the other day about how to exactly do this. And my answer was, I just... I kind of, in my mind, I turn my back on it and I, and, and there's two ways to do it. You can say, man, F that, you know, but I, I encourage you to say the whole word. <laughs> you gotta say it real like, man, F that. Like it's rolling off your shoulders. And if that doesn't work, add one simple word that will wrap for me, wraps up all the different angles of that subject all in one and allows me to let it brush off my chest like a, like a drop of water. Just, mm-hmm. and that's the word all. Mm. I'm like, man, that's all that. And when I say that, everything that that problem encompassed, every part of my life that it's reaching out and touching, just got wiped away. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, but it ain't going to get done unless you say it. But that's mindset. <laughs> that, 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 that is mindset combined with determination. I, I, I'm, letting, just, I'm drawing the line. Right go. That's it. Yeah. Letting go is a huge part of life. Bro. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Whether it be a death in the family, a bad paycheck, a bad grade in school, a bad conversation, letting go is such a huge part. Some a Facebook user wrote something about toxic. It's the only word I see right now because my screen is split. It says, sounds like you were go. a bright light in a very toxic environment. Yeah, I think we all are a bright light in a very toxic environment. You know, not to discredit what you're saying, but I think that the world around us, has always been a toxic environment. I mean, think about the dinosaur ages. There was dog eat dog. Everybody was just killing each other to survive. Well, we live in the- prod- well, yeah, we get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all toxic. You know, the trees, there's certain plant, you know, life is toxic and we all got to be our own bright lights. And it's all about how aware you are of that light will determine how much you shine because everybody's mm-hmm. shining just a little bit at least. But for those of us like us doing this show, we're out here trying to shine as bright as we freaking can, giving the best knowledge that we can to help other, to help that flame spread, brighten up the other lights. So I appreciate you, Facebook user. I love that. Click the thing so we can see your name. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I love that. And, and I, I love what you're saying there about that bright light, because part of what we're learning to do is to allow that light. Um, you, you were talking about letting go. One of the best words I heard this week was release. It was used in the context of losing weight. The, the, the guest said, instead of losing weight, it's release weight. Mm, I like that. Isn't that good? I like that. Release negative. And as soon as you said that, I'm like, I applied it to 90 different things. Release <laughs> areas, release negative, releasing the tension and muscles. Yeah. And back yeah. As opposed to getting rid of or solving or fixing. Release it. That. Yeah, I love that because it's it it the grasp grasp takes muscle and it letting does. go. So in in essence, relaxing is your answer. Yeah, and who wouldn't want relaxing to be the answer to their problem? Well, no wonder meditation works so well because that's what meditation is all about. about full relaxing. circle, baby. Yeah, it always comes <laughs> back full circle. But that's why I love, bro. That's the reason why I love the law of attraction and why I connected with it immediately. Every scenario I threw at it came back full circle. Right. It's there true. were no unanswered questions. It, it, it's actually spooky how often it happens. Truly. 
It really is. It's like, oh my God, it just happened again. That That's the feeling that I get every time I, I experience it. There's a part of us I don't think we'll fully be able to ever explain that until we transcend from this vessel, Probably. this flesh suit. And that right there is another form of, I'm just going to let this go mm, release and it. enjoy it. Because yeah. that's the only way to enjoy it is to let it go. Because if you're chasing that answer, anything you chase will run from you. You're stressing. You're feeling the lack of the answer, that tension, all that other stuff. So once again, it comes back full circle again because the only way to truly enjoy this is to let that elusive answer go. And, and something else I like I like about the word release. I, I don't know if this is the way it feels to you, but when I think of that word release, to release is an intentional activity. Mm-hmm. It's very, very intentional. Letting go is a little bit vague or release. It's very specific. You know, I am just, I'm putting it down and I'm taking my hand away. That's a release. You know, I want to throw this on top of that as like a little bit of salt and pepper on top of that. In life, visually, we have such tight holds on things. Mm-hmm. We cherish and hold on to our job. It's what feeds us. We right. hold on to our kids. We don't want anything to bad happen to them and we start enabling them. Mm-hmm. We hold on to the notion that our car is going to keep running this week. The lights, the weather in Florida, we got hurricanes. All these things we're holding on to constantly in our minds. Mm-hmm. The thought of a release is just relaxing. Yeah. So throw that onto the whole hand pressure. And you, you got yourself a formula for greatness if you can wake the hell up from what's going on in your life and do these mental exercises. Well, you also that's, get you have a way to manifestation too because that's when the manifestations show up. Got to do the work though. You got to don't wait to get gotta there. Do the work, and it's like jogging. You can't stop. This but is isn't it so odd track. though? Isn't it so odd that the hardest work you have to do is to release? <laughs> That's pretty odd. (laughs) The toughest thing a man can do is release his mind and just stop stressing. It's it's funny, man. Life is so, I guess, ironic. It is. Yeah. Two sides of every coin, man. Two sides of every coin. The biggest thing holding us back is we can't let go. (laughs) (laughs) Let go of our past. Let go of old narratives. Let go of, oh, my goodness. Well, there's at least one we can do. One thing we do very easily, when we recognize that we have trouble letting go, at least we can laugh at it. That's a good thing. That's a way to help encourage us to release in the first place. And that's a great form of letting go, too. It is. You yeah. know, laughter. Everyone, when you wake up in the morning, just laugh for 60 seconds. You know, it might seem silly. You might sound silly. Hopefully well, it's got your a name. Is there. I don't know if you know that. That's got a name. It's called laughter yoga. Yeah, there we go. There right? we go. Yeah. I actually had a, a female at one of my summits that was, that was, yeah, that she's in the dental world. Laughter yoga. Have you ever done it? Did you do it with her on the show or anything? Yeah, we did it on the, yeah. uh, at the summit. She had everybody. We were all <laughs> for 60 it, seconds in the th- summit. Those first laughing. 10 seconds are really strange, but Dude, you can get there. a bunch of in between got to that point. Like, yo, we've been doing this 37 seconds now. And it's like, <laughs> yo, just keep going with it. And then I'm back in laughter for another five seconds before I question how I'm looking. You know, right, right. Um, so it's like, yeah, this is another form of letting go. It is another form of letting go. It's critical, critical, a critical, one of the most critical parts of life is being able to let go of things that aren't serving you. People, no, the sad part, the sad part notions. Is Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. It was good. No, I was just going to say notions. But go ahead. I, I was just going to say that it, the sad part is occasionally we do have to let go of something that we like, such as when the time is up. 
<laughs> like I don't want to stop. <laughs> oh man, it's five. I'm looking at this time. We've been on 59 minutes, but it's actually 509 because we started late. But yes, uh, yeah, let's get out of here, man. Thanks to all my uh, military and first responders. Shout out. And by the way, you inspired me. You you helped me to remember to say that to Vic, the New York Police Department officer, when he was on nice. on Monday. So your your little reminder helped me too. I totally agree with you on that. And thank you. I, I, I want to say something that uh, I know I said to you last week. I've said to guests lately. I want to say it to listeners, too, because it occurred to me they deserve it as well. Because listeners who are regular listeners are also givers. They're so there are, yeah, exactly. So to all of you listeners who have been listening all these years and, and mm-hmm. then sharing your energy, you've been touching people in ways that they aren't even aware of and that you'll never, you, you may not even meet or see them in some cases. That's quite possible. So on their behalf, thank you for all the ways that you're helping to spread that energy throughout the world. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.